This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Could I just say, I'm in a different church each and every week, and I would just love to have that worship team travel with me everywhere I go, because I'm telling you... uh, Listen, I'm in a lot of churches, and uh, this was good worship today. Come on. And I'm jealous that uh, you get that every week because some places I go, uh, the, the, the lady can't sing and the guy can't play a guitar, and uh, they're making a joyful noise. You know what I'm talking about? But there was no noise here this morning. There was great worship, and uh, what a great opportunity to be with you. Uh, it's always a pleasure filling in for Pastor Oshis and being a part of the church here. Uh, you know, I could tell that this church is focused on growth because your life groups are all about food, <laughs> right? I mean, there's cooking and baking and foodies. Come on, now, who's really going to be a part of the marathon group? Come on, let's be real. I mean, who wants to go run a marathon and then go to Starbucks? I mean, I need to go to the hospital after, after that. So uh, it's a great pleasure to be with you and just uh, be a part of you. My, my wife and my daughter were going to try to be here today, but my daughter just got home from kids from youth camp, and she is sick. And, uh, you know, probably staying up too late, uh, having too much fun, but uh, so they can bring you their greetings this morning. I think I was here about five months ago, four and a half, five months ago, when I spoke with you about the power of partnership. I spoke with you out of this passage of scripture where uh, four friends let their friend down through the roof who was paralyzed. And uh, what a great story uh, about the power of partnership. This morning, I want to talk with you about another familiar story. This one's out of the Old Testament, and it's a, it's a true story. It's a story about a young man, probably a teenager, really early in his teens. The Bible says that he killed a giant, and he became the hero of all of Israel, later became the king. Now, I don't know if you've ever met a giant before, but I wasn't really sure how tall you had to be to become a giant. So I did what everybody did, I asked Siri, and she said that to be a giant, you have to be over seven foot tall. Is there a seven foot tall guy here in the room? Okay, yeah, I didn't think so, certainly not. Well, I have had one experience with the giant. I mean, I've watched giants on television, right? You watch basketball, you watch all this kind of stuff, but I've never really met a giant uh, until recently. And I was, I was flying home. I was speaking at a church in Phoenix, Arizona. It was a Sunday night after church. I was trying to catch the late flight home. So I got to the airport at Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, and I was getting a connecting flight. The flight was coming in from California. And so I load up, and I'm lucky enough to get an aisle exit row seat, right? You know, come on. If anybody flies, you know those exit row seats get a little bit more space. And, and so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm waiting for the flight to take off. So I'm tired. So I'm just reading a book and, I, and I've got my head down reading my, my book. And, and I noticed there's a guy in the aisle talking to the people beside me on the other aisle. And I hear this commotion and I hear him say, no, 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 no. And so this guy taps me on my leg and I turn around and there's this guy in the aisle and he says to me, sir, I'll give you $1,500 cash for your seat. And I'm like, show me the money, right? Come on. So he pulls out his wallet, $1,500. And I go, well, I'll spend the night in Phoenix. 
I mean, I'll do whatever, $1,500 cash. And I said, so what do I have to do? And he goes, well, I'm in the back and, and I want your seat. And I said, done. So I grab my stuff and when I stand up, he doesn't stand up and we're eye to eye. He's sitting on his knees. And so I stand up, he stands up and he's like this in the airplane because he's like seven foot three inches tall. Then I knew why he wanted my seat. Now you need to know that my one and only experience with the giant was profitable. Come on, I'd like to meet a giant any day to have that kind of experience, right? But unfortunately, in the story we're gonna talk about this morning, and, and really, unfortunately, in most of our lives, what you and I did know that the giants that we're gonna talk about this morning, uh, they have other intentions. Their intentions are not good. Their intentions are devastating and to bring death to our life. So let's talk about this morning in the book of 1 Samuel. If you have your iPhone, your iPad, however you do it, it's gonna be on the screen. Let's jump in together in verse number four. It'll be on the screen and I'll read it together. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out to the Philistines' camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now, if you don't know what that means, you can ask Siri or Google or check a commentary, but that really is nine foot nine inches tall. Come on, that's a big dude, right? Big, big, big guy. Verse number eight says, and Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are not of the servants of Saul? Choose a man, this is the part we all know, choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he is able to kill me, we will become your subjects, but... If I overcome him and kill him, you will be our subjects and serve us. Verse number 11. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul. Now, who's Saul? He's the king. The king and all of the Israelites. Who's that? That's the army. 40,000 people were dismayed and what? Terrified. Skip down to verse number 16. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and took his stand. Now, here's what you need to know. This isn't the first time that the the country of Israel, the people of God, and the Philistines have been in battle. No, in fact, if you read the scripture, you realize they have been in war for decades. But as you read the stories about the military conflicts between Israel and the Philistines, you recognize uh, up until this point in time, All of the conflicts, all of the battles, all the wars have been fought in the Philistine country. This war is different. This time the conflict is in Israel's very own backyard. This time it's not two armies lining up against each other, yelling and screaming and rushing at each other and and whoever has the most people standing at the end wins the conflict which was the conventional way that they waged war. Now this time, It's not a conventional war, it's completely unconventional. There's a nine foot, nine inch giant, something that the armies of God had never seen before. The Bible says not only was he a giant, but scripture says he was also a champion. What do we mean by that? It means that he is a battle-tested savage. That's what that means. He's a brash, trash-talking giant. Come on, if, if I'm nine foot nine, I'm gonna do some trash talking, especially on the basketball court, 
right? I'm going to do some serious trash talking. But not only is he a trash talking giant, but he flaunts his size in a way to intimidate and to scare and to play on everyone else's insecurities. He is a giant who looks unbeatable. So much so that even the battle-hardened warriors of the people of God, the Israelites, the Bible says that when they saw him, they were paralyzed and terrified with fear because he taunts. He taunts the armies of God every morning. You're just punks. You're so small, I could just crush you with my hands. I can't wait to eat you alive. I'm going to eat you, destroy you, destroy everything about you. I'm not even going to break a sweat when I kill you. Taunting the armies of God. He doesn't do it just once, the Bible says. He does it day after day after day after day. Every morning and every evening for 40 days. Now, I think one of the reasons why people like you and I can relate to the story as much as we hate to admit it. The story of David and Goliath is our story too. Not the Marvel superhero part of the story where the little guy gets some super strength and kills the big bad giant, not that part, no. No, the part that we can relate to, that we can identify with this story, is the horror and the terror that we all can identify with when we realize that a giant has invaded our space. A huge problem, something that has the potential to destroy our very existence, something or someone who has the ability to wreck the normalcy of our lives. What makes matters worse in this story is that, that none of us are safe. It doesn't matter if you're as rich as the King Saul or as poor as the shepherd boy David. When an enormous giant knocks on our door, remember as a kid the story of the big bad wolf and the three little pigs? When the big giant, he begins to, what is it, huff and puff and threaten our very existence. He threatens our security. He threatens our emotional well-being. He threatens our spiritual life. You need to know that it equalizes everyone, regardless of the station of your life. You see, whether you're as rich as the king or as poor as the shepherd, you will face a big, bad, ugly, taunting, deadly giant in your life. The question is, what do you do? What do you do? How do you fight a giant that is this big? How do you fight a problem, a giant that is so intimidating? How do you defeat a problem in your life, an issue in your marriage, a a destructive habit, maybe a sinful pattern that's found its way into your life that is so big that by its very nature, it just seems informidable? So huge, the problem, the issue, that every time you think about trying to, to defeat the giant, You find yourself paralyzed because you don't know where to start. I think think those are the reasons why we all can identify with David and Goliath. Because what you and I know to be true, it says on the screen, that giants come in every shape and every size. 
I mean, what may be a giant for you may not be a giant for me. What may be a giant for me may not be a giant for you, but nevertheless, it is still a giant. But really, the most important question that you and I need to ask ourselves is this. What is the giant in your life right now? What is it in your life that you don't seem to be able to defeat? I love the song that we sing. What is the addiction that you've been trying to break? I mean, you started dabbling with it a little bit and you thought you had control over it, but now you realize it has control over you. The depression maybe that that you've, you've had an issue and you tried to bounce back, but every time you bounce back, you don't bounce back quite far enough. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe you've got a, a habit of lying, of stretching the truth. Maybe it's personal finances. Maybe the giant is bitterness in your life. Someone did something so bad to you, so hurtful to you, that you just can't seem to get over the hurt and the pain, and it's just turning in you into a, a dark, resentful person. Maybe it's doubt. You've lost your confidence. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's flirting. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's failure. But you and I need to know that giants come to us in every shape and size. But you shouldn't be shocked that we would ask this question inside of a church service. There's no need for you and I to be embarrassed about the fact that we acknowledge that we have a giant in our life. You see, the purpose of church has never been to shame people for saying, I have a problem, I, I've got an issue, I've, I've got a giant in my life that I'm dealing with because the church never is designed to isolate people who have giants. You see, if we isolate you for having a giant in your life, then you have to isolate me because we all, we all have a giant in our life. One of the problems that we have with giants is that we think that Maybe the reason why the giant is attacking us today is because of things that we've done in our past. Now, come on. I'm 61 years old. You need to know that I've done some pretty dumb things in my life. And some of the consequences of the pain and the things that I'm dealing with today in my life are because I opened the door for some giants. I just kind of kicked the giant. But you need to know that's not the real reason why the giants of our lives come against us. No, no, no. The real reason that giants come into our life is not because we're scrawny and we're weak and we're puny. No, the real reason why we're attacked by the giants is because of the significance in our life. You and I are targeted by the enemy of our soul, the Bible talks about, because he knows something about you that you need to understand about yourself. You are significant. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He created you for a reason. He has a divine purpose that he wants you to fulfill. And because of that significance in your life, it says that on this on the screen that you need to know that being attacked is just unavoidable. I mean, if, if the devil knows, the enemy of our soul knows that you're significant, you just need to be prepared for an attack. I mean... It's as plain as the nose on your face. But why is it that we often feel that the devil can just come to us and, and we're so small and the giants of our life are so big that, that we're so weak and insignificant that he could just kind of 
crush us at any time he wants to. Have you ever had that feeling? Like, man, my life is so frail. The giant just comes against me, just crushes and defeats me. Can I tell you why even those of us who go to church, why we feel frail and significant up against a giant? It says on the screen that Christians live defeated, either because of the lies that we've believed or the lifestyle we choose to live. You need to know that just because you become a believer, just because you become a Christian, doesn't mean you still can't be duped and deceived to believing something that's not true. So you need to know that the evil one comes to get us to believe a lie or to believe that we can live any lifestyle that we want and still live a victorious life. So this morning, I really wanna talk with you and help you see the lies that David overcame and the lifestyle that David chose to live so that he could walk victorious and not feel like he's about to be crushed at any moment by the enemy in his life, the giants in his life. So real quickly, I wanna give you four choices that you and I can make to defeat the giants in our life, irregardless of how big or how small that it is. You ready? Ready, let's take some notes. So the first one, can I tell you, it's so out of the box, it's so bizarre, I've never heard anybody talk about this ever before, so I almost didn't put it in my notes, but I really felt like it was true, and I really felt like it was beneficial for us to hear it. So the first one is this. If you wanna defeat the giant in your life, irregardless of how large it is, number one, is the best way to win the battle is to never begin the battle in the first place. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that, but before I do, let me give you some accolades. Let me some tell you some things that you don't. Jeff did a great job of introducing me, but he didn't tell you everything about me. Cause I'm 61 years old, and you need to know that in my 61 years, I have never, ever lost an arm wrestling competition, ever. Line up in the back when the service is over. I've never lost an arm wrestling competition. 61 years old. Let me also tell you something. I don't look like it. I know I look like an old white guy. But I have never, ever lost a dance-off. I mean, I got moves like Jagger, baby. I'm telling you. I got moves that you've never seen before. Let me tell you the third thing about me that you don't know. I have never lost an ultra marathon. I've never lost, I'm 61 years old, I've never lost that. Can I, can I tell you why I've never lost a dance off? Can I tell you why I've never lost an ultra marathon? Can I tell you why I've never less, lost an arm wrestling competition? Because I've never done any of those things. <laughs> I've never done any of those things. Now, now call me crazy, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit different, but maybe, just maybe, I mean, I'm your guest here this morning, Maybe some of the giants in your life are because you're participating in some things maybe that you shouldn't be participating in. I mean, I mean, just call me crazy, but maybe some of the problems that you're having is because you were doing some things you just shouldn't be doing. And, and maybe you're like the Japanese general after they did the surprise attack on Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941, when he says this, I fear that we've awakened a sleeping giant. I fear that we've awakened a sleeping giant. 
Now, just let me be real candid this morning and let me be real truthful. Let me, let me help you illustrate what I'm talking about. Can I tell you that there's just some Instagram profiles that I don't need to be following? Come on, have you seen the way some of these people dress or don't dress and try to get you to like clickbait into their profile? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? TikToks, I mean, all, I mean, there's just some of those things don't need to be in my life. I'm, I wanna tell you, I, I, I know, I know you love Hulu and I know you love Netflix and I know you, but can I just tell you, there's just some of those shows, I don't care how good they are. I don't care what the ratings are. Can I tell you, there's just some stuff that I don't, I don't need to be seeing. And I just need to tell you, there's some people that I've had to cut out of my life. Can I tell you why? Because they expose me to giants that I should have never, ever been exposed to. Now, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I mean, man, you guys don't know me. I'm not trying to be legalistic. Can I just tell you? I'm trying to be realistic. I'm just trying to be realistic. I mean, there's, listen, I've never lost an arm wrestling competition. And there's just some giants that are out there that are not supposed to meet by giants. There's just some giants out there that I, I just need to leave alone. Here's where I get this in passage, verse number 14 in 1 Samuel 17. David, the Bible says, was the youngest. His three oldest brothers, they followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Now, if you're just casually reading this passage of scripture, you, you'll kind of miss the truth that's here. You see, the Bible, when you, when you kind of do some research and Google and all that kind of stuff, you realize that from where his father lived and where the battle was taking place was David was 15 miles away from Goliath. Where was he? He wasn't at the battle. He was with his father's sheep. So what's happening at the battlefield? The Israelites, the king, the army, you know what they're hearing? They're hearing this giant stand up and harass them each and every day. They're having a giant walk into their life and saying, I'm gonna crush you, I'm gonna destroy you, you're nothing. What's David hearing? Bah, bah. He's not being intimidated. He's not being taunted. He's not being harassed, why? Because he is 50. 15 miles away from the giant. Maybe, maybe, can I just be real candid? Maybe I'm the first person to tell you this, and maybe, maybe not, but, but maybe I am. Can I tell you that there's just some wisdom in being 15 miles away from the giants of your life? There's just, there's just some difference. There's just, it's just helpful. I'm so glad that when I was younger growing up, I had some older guys in my life. You know, they would call you son. You know, they always had a deep son or boy. They would say to me, this would be like, son, you just need to let that sleeping dog lie. That may be a phrase that you don't understand, but what they were saying is, there's just some dogs that are in the yard. You don't need to wake that dog up. Let that dog sleep. Why? Because that dog, it'll rip your leg off. That dog will destroy you. I'm just so grateful there's some guys in my life who said to me, man, don't 
live so close to the edge. You don't have to live. You don't have to live right here. You, you don't have to mess with those things because if you do, it'll come back and bite you. I illustrated it negatively. Let me illustrate it positively. The way that I drove to take my wife to the hospital before our son was born was much different than the way that I drove home after my son was born. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I believe that God has given me a unique spiritual gift. There may be some of you in this room that have this gift too. I believe that God has given me this spiritual gift of beating GPS. <laughs> Come on. Anybody else got that spiritual gift? You believe that God has given you the... So this morning, I, I just want to let you know that I beat GPS. It says it's going to take me an hour and two minutes to get here. I did it in 53 minutes. Come on. I just have the spiritual gift. So when my wife was starting to have contractions before our son was born, you know, there comes a point in time where she goes, no, you don't need to take me, you don't need to take me, you don't need to take me. But then something changes. And my wife says, you need to get me to the hospital now. Can I tell you that I was ready? I was completely prepared for the challenge. Listen, I got her there between contractions. Come on. I flew to the hospital. I was ready for the challenge. Now, after the baby was born, and we've been there about a day and a half, eventually the discharge nurse comes and says, Mr. Harper, Miss Harper, your baby's fine. Your baby's healthy. You can take that baby home. Now, you need to know something about me. I had never put a baby in a car seat, right? And I had never put a car seat in a two-seater sports car, <laughs> right? They're just not really designed for that. But so we, we strapped him down, you know, those, those old front little hooks and the back little hook, and, and I, I, I found a bungee cord, and I stretched the bungee cord from that side of the car over to this side, and I had another one of those, like, really rubbery, stretchy ones, and, and I hooked it on this side and hooked it to, the, like, the hook over here. And, and, I mean, my little guy was in, like, a five-point racing harness. I mean, I mean he, was, he was prepared for the ride. But can I tell you that up until that moment in my life, I had never driven at, with at 10 and 2. You know what I'm talking about? I had never driven at 10 and 2. I was this guy or this guy. But when my baby got in the car and we pulled out of the parking lot, I drove 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. I mean, we put up one of those signs that says, baby on board, you know? I mean, I used to laugh at those people when I flew past them, but I, I turned into one of those. Why? What changed? the cargo. I realized that that baby had potential. That baby had significance. That baby had a purpose and a plan for its life. And suddenly I realized just how valuable the cargo I had in the car. Can I tell you that the cargo of your life is so valuable? You are significant. 
And there's no reason for you to be driving reckless, living on the edge, trying to wake up as many giants as you can. Listen, I'm just telling you, God's purpose and plan for your life is so significant. Don't be reckless with your life. Don't don't try to stir up things you don't. Don't try to fight things you don't need to fight. Why? Because there's certain giants that just don't need to be in your life. And you need to stay as far away from them as you can. The second choice that if you're going to defeat the giant in your life is this is on the screen. You've got to learn to calculate the reward of winning and the regret of defeat. Let me show you to you in the Bible. Verse number 25. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? How he comes out to defy Israel? The king, who's this? The king, the rich guy, right? The rich guy says, we will give wealth to the man who kills the giant Goliath. And I'm telling you, at that point in time, I bet David's ears perked up like, what? Great wealth? Dude, I've been working for dad for minimum wage on the backside of watching sheep. I'm interested, come on. I'm interested in great wealth. And then they said, he will also, who's he, the king, will give his daughter in marriage. I bet David's like, show me a picture. I mean, if I'm going to risk my life, I want to know, come on. And that's the way guys are. Any guys in the room? Yeah, for sure. I want, to, I want to see the picture thing first. And then he says, and we will exempt his family for taxes. Now, the older I am, that one's more important. Right? I mean, looks fade and come and go, but taxes are here forever. And David said to them that were standing near him, now, what will be done? What, what's going to happen to the guy who kills this giant? And they said, you know, he's going he's gonna to get wealthy. Check. He's going to marry the king's daughter. Check. He's not going to have to pay taxes for the rest of his life. Check. David says, sign me up. Can I, good, can I tell you this morning that I think it's good for us to remind ourselves of the reward of defeating the giants in our life? Can we just take a moment and dream? Can we dream just for a moment? Can can you think what your life would be like? Would you think about what your marriage could be like if the giant that was threatening your marriage suddenly fell dead? What would it be like to live a life free from anxiety? What would it be like to see your family thrive once again? What would it be like to have joy, real joy, and peace come back into your home. But what would it be like to have to stop looking over your shoulder and covering your tracks because you've lied so much and you just experience freedom? Can I tell you? David says, remind me one more time what will happen to the person who kills this giant because you need to know that there is always a reward in our life and in our family, physically, spiritually, whatever way you want to, emotionally, when we defeat the giants. But unfortunately, the converse is true as well. If there's a reward for beating the giant, there's also regret for losing. What does it look like to lose against the giant of your life? It's the conversation I had with a very dear friend just this week very prominent person in the community where I live, very, very dear friend, had to come clean and confess to his 
junior high son and his high school daughter that he had had an affair on their mother and he's having to move out of the house. That he lost his integrity. He lost his influence. He lost, he lost that spiritual connection that he had. His influence waned and his intimacy with God had begun to diminish. Can I tell you? That's the kinds of things that happen if you don't defeat the giants in your life. I, I think sometimes, I think we're ignorant of how that sin works in our life. I think we're ignorant about how giants work in our life. So I, I, just for a second, I want to show you a picture now. I don't want to be graphic, and I'm not trying to be you know, PG-13, or I'm not trying to be from adults, adults only, but I have a picture here that I want to just tell you is how sin works in your life. Are you ready? There. That's how, that's how, sin, that's how sin works in your life. Can I tell you? How many in this room are good at starting a diet? Come on. Okay. How many of you have a problem with lying? No, no, no. I just, most of us, oh, we have, we're good at starting diets, but I want to tell you something. When I'm, I'm training, I do run triathlons, and I do do that, right? So, so when I'm training for a triathlon, when I'm working out, and when I'm doing everything, but if I just happen to be on the road and I drive by a Krispy Kreme donut, and the red hot donuts now sign is on, guess what? The diet is off. The diet's off. I mean, have you ever been inside there? I just want to like lay me on that conveyor belt <laughs> and just let the glaze just get all over me. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, anybody here besides me? Is there anybody here that's ever eaten more than you should? I'm talking north of seven. Come on. Anybody here? Come on. Eight, nine, ten, a dozen Listen, I want to tell you, when they're hot and fresh, you don't even have to chew. They just like absorb into your blood system. I mean, they're just like, it, it's effortless to eat a dozen hot Krispy Kreme donuts. I mean, not that I've ever eaten a whole, man. Let's just say, let's just say I know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, when that thing is hot and it's juicy, and it's melting in your mouth, and it's succulent, and it's decadent, and it is sinful. It is amazing until you look over at the empty box. And then when the sugar drops, and you have that like, oh, my Father in heaven, what was I thinking? It was amazing. But it's not amazing now. Can I tell you, that's how sin works. You see, I've never met a family whose wife or son or daughter or cousin was being sent off to rehab for an addiction or for problems, and they sit around the table and go, it's amazing, they're going to rehab. No, what I hear when I sit at that table is, oh man, this is horrible, this agony. There's regret because there's a reward for winning and defeating the giants in our life, but there's also regret and agony and pain when the giants defeat us. 
The third way, if you're gonna defeat the giants in your life, and it's on the screen, and it's a phrase that you've heard hundreds of times. You probably didn't even have said it. If at first you don't succeed, do what? Try, 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 try. Again, never give up. Let me show you this in the story. Verse number 40. Then David, with his staff in his hand, he chooses five smooth stones from the stream, puts them in his pouch in the shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approaches the Philistine. Now, have you ever wondered why he chose five smooth stones? I mean, I have. I have a curious mind. I always want to know a lot of these questions. So I began to look in the Bible commentaries, and so I looked, read some theological papers, read some books, read some things. And, and you know, if you read 10 theologians, you get 10 different answers, right? So one theologian that I read goes, five is the number of grace. So David was walking in grace to kill the giant. And I'm like, yeah, probably not. Another one says five, Ephesians 4, the five-fold ministry of the church, the apostle, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher. And I'm like, no. He's like, you know, if you're gonna conquer the giants, you need to have an apostle in your life and a prophet and a pastor and a teacher and evangelist. I'm like, no, that's probably not what it's talking about. One, one guy that I read says, well, Dave, you know, he took five stones because Goliath probably had four more brothers. I'm thinking that's probably true. Right? But the Bible really doesn't tell us why, definitively, why David chose five stones, but I, I think I know why. I, I think David chose five stones because I think he didn't think he was going to hit it the first time. I think he took five because he wasn't sure he's going to hit him with the first time. So I think the Bible says when he's down at the brook, he's reaching down and he's knee deep in water and he sees this smooth stone. He reaches down and grabs the stone and goes, man, that's the perfect stone to kill that giant. And then I think he had this memory of a time when, a, when the Bible says that a lion came out and tried to steal one of his father's sheep. And so he, he put the, the stone in the sling and he slung the sling and he hit the, he hit the lion, but it, it didn't kill him. And he hit him again and it killed him the second time. So he grabs two stones. Then about the time I think he's ready to wade out of the creek or the pond or the, or the stream, I think he remembered the time that, that he, there was a bear that charged out of the woods trying to steal one of his father's sheep. And so he grabbed a stone out of his pouch and he slung it and, and he hit the bear and it didn't even slow the bear down. It just made the bear mad and the bear started running harder. So he grabbed another stone out of the, the pouch and he slung it and, and he hit it and, and it slowed him down but it didn't kill him and it took, it took three stones to kill the bear. Two stones for the lion. Three stones for the bear. I think that he's looking at his reflection in the water. He said this. All I know is I'm not going to leave that battlefield until I kill that giant, and I'm going to take five stones with me. The giant came every day, over and over again, tenacious, intimidating. But what if the giant in your life is more convinced of your destiny than you are? Because the giant knows how important you are. He knows how significant you are to your grandkids, to your spouse. You just need to show up. You need to be consistent. Decades ago, I was a part of a, I was the very first time youth pastor and, and I was in Pensacola, Florida. And my friend entered us into a, a sailing regatta on a Hobie cat, a little, little 17, 16 foot sailboat. 
My friend was actually paralyzed from his waist down. And so he was a novice sailor, and I had never sailed ever before. I was simply there to swim and get him if he fell off. Truth, that's a true story. That's why I was there. So we sailed the very first day, and we got slaughtered. We had no idea how bad we were up against these real sailors. It's a two-day race. After the first day, a storm came, and it was horrible. Big waves, big wind, you know, rain and everything. And, and early, early, early the next morning, my friend David called me and says, hey, you know, we paid the registration fee. We paid for everything. We should at least show up. So we get to the dock about sunrise, and guess what? The wind is still blowing. The rain is still happening. Nobody in their right mind who was a real sailor even showed up except for me and David and the organizer. The organizer says, let's, let's give it 45 minutes and see if it clears up a little bit. And if it does, then we'll, we'll race. And if it doesn't, we'll see if anybody shows up. And if nobody else shows up and it keeps raining, then we'll just, we'll call the race. 45 minutes go by, nobody shows up. But during that 45 minutes, the sun comes out, the wind stops blowing, the waves drop. And the organizer of the race looked over at us and said, well, nobody's here. I saw you guys try to sell yesterday. True story, here's what he said. There's a buoy about a quarter of a mile out there. If you guys can go there and back, you'll win the race. So you've never seen a guy in a wheelchair get on a sailboat so fast. I mean, my friend David just scampered on that, that boat and we struggled to sail down and back, but guess what? We stood on the podium, we got the trophy, why? because we were persistent. We kept coming back. If you're gonna defeat the giants in your life, you gotta, you gotta try, try again. But, but Mike, I've tried everything. I, I've tried a counselor, we'll get another one. I, we've put boundaries up, we'll put more boundaries up. Have you asked anybody to pray for you? Well, ask somebody else. You see, whatever you do, just don't give up because falling down is an accident but staying down is a choice. Finally, the last thing is this. If you're gonna defeat the giants in your life, you've gotta stop letting the enemy do all the talking. You just gotta stop letting the enemy. The Bible says the Israelites were paralyzed because all day, every day, all they heard from the giant was taunting. But I... Up at this point in time, I don't think he'd put anybody in a headlock. I don't think he'd give anybody a wedgie. All he'd done was talking, right? He was just yelling and screaming. You see, I have this theory that maybe Goliath wasn't the strongest man in the military. He was just the loudest. Because you know why? What you listen to matters. What you listen to matters. That's why the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. David, he walks on the scene. David acts completely different than the military guys. They've been beat down 40 days by listening to this big giant. David's been 15 miles away and he comes with a completely different perspective. These guys were fearful. David was fearless. And listen to what it says in verse 26. David says this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Come on. 
I mean, if you want to tick somebody off, call them uncircumcised. I mean, that's worse than a yo mama joke, right? (laughs) But that's exactly what David did. David had the audacity to harass the thing that's been harassing them. Here's what I believe. David had more confidence of the God who was in him than the giant who was coming against him. Listen, I got a Coke right here. It's never been opened. Okay, never been opened. It's full of what? Sugar. And a little bit of Coke, right? If you're not filled up with something, you know what's going to happen when the giant comes against you? Greater is he that's within me than he that is in this world. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am not the tail. I am the head. God has a purpose in my life. I am the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. So greater is he that's within me than the world who comes against me. Can I tell you, when the giant comes in your life, if you don't have the word of God inside of you, if you don't have an active life with the Holy Spirit, he's just gonna crush you. Be filled with the Spirit. We sang this morning, Holy Spirit, come. Fill this place. Fill me. Why? Because every day we're going to face a giant. But if you're full of God, greater is he that's within you than he who comes against you. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. God, I know that there are people here who are wrestling and fighting with giants. And and God, you're a great and mighty God. And God, I pray that this moment, that the power of the Holy Spirit would fill our lives, that we would acknowledge that we have a giant and that we would ask you to come in and fill our hearts new and afresh. Let us be overcomers because of the word of our testimony, because Christ lives in us. And greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.